0: Welcome to this edition of Gabrielle Dolan's Authentic Leadership Podcast. Join Gabrielle as she speaks to well-known leaders on authentic leadership values and storytelling. The aim of this podcast is to encourage you to embrace authenticity in both the professional and personal context. The stories and experience of her guests will be a wonderful catalyst for others to learn from. So welcome to another podcast around authentic leadership and today I am very excited to be speaking to the CEO of Ferguson Plair Bakehouse, Steve Plair. So welcome Steve.
1: Yeah, thanks Gabrielle, good to be here.
0: Yeah, now yours is a family run business and I believe it's you're the fourth generation so tell us a little bit of background about uh, Ferguson Plair Bakehouse
1: yeah sure it's it's 120 years i'm going to cover it as, as quickly as i can um look, i i should mention i work with my brother um my, my father's still very active in attending board meetings as as much as he's not a director but uh, but we talk certainly now every day in the middle of this crisis um and uh, my brother who heads up our manufacturing facility so uh, you know so we've learned to have a a good working relationship and uh, and survive that over the years between sharing bedrooms and offices and and all those things um but if I go back all the way back to the late 1800s is where it started for us my great grandfather Otto uh, his father was a, um, a cooper a beer barrel maker and at some stage he decided to be a pastry cook and the story I choose to believe that is that he was around a, a dinner table one Friday night with three generations in the family and someone cooked him an amazing meal or an amazing cake and they did it with love um, and, uh, and he liked that experience so much that he wanted to devote the rest of his life to doing that um, so that, that's the the story we choose to believe. Obviously, you know, I never met him, um, but something spurred him on to wanting to be an amazing pastry cook. So he then learned his trade in Munich, and then in Paris, and then in London. Uh, and in 1907, jumped on a boat, and um, apparently Adelaide wasn't far enough from London, so they all pushed on to Melbourne, and um, and uh, and four of them started there. Uh, in 1911, he had enough <coughs> capital to start his own business, so he started Clare's Cakes in Mooney Ponds here in Victoria. Uh, And uh, and you know, let's fast forward. World War One, World War Two, Great Depression. Um, My grandfather's born. Ray, uh, he took over the reins, and there've been lots of there've been plenty of sisters in the business, and through no engineered um, result, they've gone on to do other things. There's been doctors and and other things, but it it seems to have been the blokes that have been silly enough to want to get up at two o'clock in the morning (laughs) and make cakes. Um, And uh, and so my yeah, my grandfather Ray, and then my father Ralph. Um, And in 1980, um, we amalgamated with the Ferguson family, who had had a similar history in Victoria, and we'd um, developed a relationship, particularly during some of those really tight moments around world wars and shortages of supply, and we helped each other out. We came together in 1980 to share a facility and and create Ferguson Clear Bay Councils. Um, mm-hmm. so uh, that sort of brings us to maybe 2012 where we bought the Ferguson family out. We, we you know, had a, a different view of the future. And to be fair, after 120 years and both families in fourth generation, we're pretty lucky to get that far. Um, so it's now just the Plea family. But, of course, you know, lots of people are still attached to the Ferguson uh, name, which is why we're still called Ferguson Plea Bay Houses. And um, we're uh, pioneering on. Mm.
0: And when did you become CEO? When did you take over the reins as CEO? I
1: was. Co-CEO in 2010 with uh, uh, with uh, Ken Ferguson. So we've sort of for a long time actually. It was my father and um, and Ken who were co-CEOs, two CEOs, and that works in some businesses. But really, it's, it's kind of like I, th- I think fielding a, a footy team. Um, it, it, you know, with two coaches, I don't think it can ever be as good as, as one coach. Um, and uh, and so it, hence that was one of the reasons we we sort of parted ways in 2012. Um, but before then, we'd my brother and I had spent time on uh, completing. The Australian Institute of Company Directors course, and some other things, trying to get used to a more corporatized, accountable structure and try and get past the nepotism that we sort of somehow survived. And there's some pretty. Um, tenuous decades where you know where, where that was not good and, and that's often where family businesses fall over and we're, we're my, my brother and i are very interested in making sure the baton doesn't get dropped during our part of the relay um you know let's see if we can get to the fifth generation but put structure around it rather than rely on a roll of the dice because you know he and i never wanted the same seat on the bus um and we've learned to have a really good Relationship where we can disagree, but we can all, you know, hang out on a Friday afternoon when COVID disappears, and um, and and have a beer and, and a laugh. Yeah.
0: Did you? Was Was there a fight over who would take CEO, or did you just?
1: No, luckily, look, he really loved the trade side of things, which, and and I really liked. I was sort of the the maths marketing. Um, I, I quite, I quite like the study I did a commerce degree at Melbourne University um, and, uh, and then went on and took over the, uh, the, or the accountant's role after that but he was straight out of school, wanted to make cakes and so we, we're just lucky and we recognise that because we've all got kids who might want to work in the business and there's a lot more of them than there were of us because it was just my dad he'd already, uh, sort of his sister had left the business so no, we're, we're lucky but we've certainly had disagreements early on and we very quickly worked out how to make sure that our family lives and the business could survive that process.
0: So you don't you don't sort of suggest to him that you're the favourite son because you're CEO.
1: No, he tells me he's the better looking one. He probably is, but you <laughs> know, so there's there's a quid pro quo. <laughs> you
0: can go, yeah, you're better looking, but I'm CEO. Get back to work. <laughs> now you came talking about your family. You came to my attention because I saw one of your corona oaky ones and I I think the one that I saw was you doing a parody to Queen's I Want to Break Free all dressed up in drag singing changing the lyrics to I Want to Bake Free and somehow managed to rope your children in to filming so tell us a little bit about how that came about um and I guess the uh you know the feedback you've had from it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Um, look, it, it, the where that really started was about six years ago at our gala awards. We we we'd had a tough year. We ran out of marketing budget, and the team said, "Look, we can't afford a um, a comedian as as an MC." And we don't have any money for entertainment. So I thought, well, all right, look, I will MC the awards, no problems. And I didn't tell anyone, but I, like I used to, I mean, people knew that um, I played in a band, but I'd never done anything in the business. And I went, you know, I'm just going to do this cheesy thing where I rewrite the words to a song and I sang a song and I mentioned every award winner from our awards that night it was a tribute to them and i wasn't sure how it was going to go down um and it was for our franchisees and anyway they loved it and the feedback was you know we, gee, we can't believe that you know you, you're our ceo and you wrote that song for us um you know we, we're just so proud that you would do that for us and that we mean enough that that you would do that uh so it became a thing and and i said look you know, to the team, look, we've got budget next year. And they said, look, no, if you don't do this, the franchise is going to lose their minds. So for the last four or five years, that's been my kind of thing. And they they wait for me to do a song. And I'm trying to rope some other musically um, talented people in our network to sort of join me in that kind of stuff. But what sat behind that first um, performance was a message of, you know, we're in retail and, you know, and we sort of, there was an analogy of, you know, you you turn the lights on, the curtains are drawn and it's theatre. You know, when, when people turn up at Ferguson Play, yeah, they want a pie and they want a, they want a chocolate eclair, but they buy happiness in our business. And, and I've mentioned this to you before. Um, you know, people don't need a vanilla slice or a pie. It's not the vitamin D or the, you know, they don't need to get through the day, but they might emotionally need it to get through the day. And we recognize that a long time ago. So the performance was, you know, you out there, our fantastic, you know, um, our shop assistants, our managers, our franchisees, you are performing every day. And we ask you to step outside your comfort zones, either work long hours or put a smile on your face when you've got a tough life going on at home. You might have sick kids, you you might be in a bad relationship. But it's when it's performance time, it's performance time. And my analogy was, look, you know, I don't get to do this too often, but I'm going to sing for you. Um, and it was sort of a, a bit of a give back. So that, that's how that sort of all started. Um fast forward to uh, to the the pandemic and you know in the end of at the end of March and early April when the restrictions the social restrictions started to kick in you know our sales started to fall away you know drastically and, and it got very scary and, and and more scary for some other people you know I'm grateful that we bottomed out at about 40% on average but some stores as bad as 80% and we saw New Zealand you know go to stage 4 restrictions and we had to make peace with well, you know what if we're asked to shut down for 2 or 3 months Um, you know one financially can we survive and two how do we keep a dialogue going with our customers because it will go away and we will hopefully get through this but how do we make sure that they still kept hearing from us because we don't have to sell a pie to make people happy Um, there's social media and there's radio and there's other things that maybe we can trickle along so we very quickly move to well how can we make sure we keep doing what sits at the core of our brand but without giving them a physical product in case we can't so we very quickly moved to, well, look, you know, if my brother's stuck at home with his daughters, he could do a, um, you know, video of, hey, here's what my player makes with his 10, you know, most popular pantry ingredients. Here's how I do a sausage roll with everything that you've probably got in your pantry and his daughter's have got lots of personality. We thought we could do that. Um, everyone very quickly said, Steve, you could do some really cheesy singing about cake stuff um, on video. And, and, and I said yes straight away because I love doing that stuff. Um, and what else am I going to do on the weekend, you know, when I'm locked in a house with my kids? Uh, so that came about and it started with some just little, um, you know, just using Apple iClip on my phone, um, you know, another one bites the crust or a couple of other cheesy things. It was Pyhemia Rhapsody to start with, I think. Uh, and then my marketing team said, hey, look, you know, why don't we turn this into a bit of a competition? We're going to call it Corona Okie. And once a week people are going to, or not once a week, but we'll ask people for comments and to share the post and, they'll list what's the next song that they want you to do and I'll choose a song that I think matches where we want to go with it and we write it so there's been a bunch of them but most uh, the, the two more produced ones have been vanilla slice slice baby by vanilla rice um, yeah, I like and that I want to make bang- yeah, yeah, and I want to bake free and, and I forgot my wife had done media studies a long time ago, so she dusted off her um, technical skills on the computer and between her gluing the visuals together and me being able to lean on gold FM for some studio time to record the proper ones well, um, we've sort of landed in this space it's been um it's, it's got a fantastic response too, yeah.
0: Yeah, and what I love about that is um, that it's on brand, that your brand, yes, you're delivering, you know, you're making, you know, pies and vanilla slices and sausage rolls, but your whole brand is to bring happiness to people and I I think it was a really cool way to still be authentic to your brand um, and still deliver on that even though you can't physically get the product to people. (laughs) How how, um, how old are your kids? They they looked... Like about yeah,
1: or something five, five and eight,
0: five and eight, and so they they were obviously very excited to be part of it at being five and eight.
1: My, my wife's made it look like that, but my five, my, my eight-year-old was, was all about it and the five-year-old was like, oh, come on, I just want to get out of here and we got enough clips that it looked like she was really keen. But, um, yeah, look, the little snippets where I just sort of pull them in and hug them and get them to just do some funny faces, uh, you know, they think it's great. If I do it too much, they're like, get away, Dad, so I've got to space them out.
0: Yeah, I was going to say you wouldn't want this pandemic to go on for years because I reckon once they reach about 12 they'll be saying Dad, there is no way known <laughs> I'm no. on, on a video with you. You should get into have you gone into TikTok with it?
1: Oh, you know what I mean, I've done some little TikToks with the kids, but no I haven't. You know, cuz I've I've if you find a solution for getting the, your own song into TikTok uh, that, that's my problem. So uh anyway
0: I oh, got no idea, no idea, and I should say that we're actually recording this video on May the seventh, so um, we're still very much in lockdown, but um, we're at the stage where there's there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, again, what I was saying I love your authenticity in the, um, you know, because you, you don't often see CEOs dancing around with the kids. No. You, you bust a, you bust a few good dance moves, I must admit. You were really like, yeah.
1: <laughs> thank you
0: (laughs) so um yeah if people should check it out but so again i'm I'm getting this whole sense of authenticity coming from you and i mean this this whole podcast is around authentic leadership you know what what is what sort of does authentic leadership mean to you the concept of it
1: yeah i I think the fact that it's a big thing to talk about is a bit ironic because it implies that lots of leadership isn't authentic um uh, which is, you know, that certain CEOs have to, you know, sometimes not be who they are. They've they've got to, you know, present the way that the business wants them to present and what have you. Now, I'm, I'm luckily part of a business that I'm fourth generation, so there's a really good chance I've grown up inside the values that our that our brand has already. So it's semi easy for me. We're we're a bit fun. We're a bit family. We're a bit cheesy. Um, and it allows me to be like that. But I, I just think you're the best version of yourself when you can do that. And I think the fact that people are talking about, I want authentic leadership, shows that there's a lack of it out there. Um, and I think there are some people who are genuine. <laughs> oh, excuse me. No. Yeah, um, so it's, it's
0: another <laughs> karaoke going off. That <laughs>
1: um, I, I think that there's, um, there are some people who probably could be a lot more authentic, but they're so um, maybe worried about, um, I, I, yeah I, I don't know being being themselves and, and you shouldn't want to I think if a business recruits a leader who is absolutely aligned with the values of the business um, and they've got the capacity to speak in a certain channel it might be social or dancing or any of that stuff but to be able to talk to them it just means that you know the um, the 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 way that you can get people to listen to you more intently or turn up the volume of your message to either the, the final stakeholders, like, you know, obviously we've got end customers listening and watching these things. My franchisees and our, um, our staff are watching this and saying, look at our CEO, you know, what a twit. And, you know, what, he'll, he'll do anything. To help grow the business and 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 i will um and they also see the other side of me you know that might not be publicly facing where we talk about more serious issues but um you know I, for me the truth sets you free and whether that's in fun and just being able to be yourself um or, uh, you know, or demanding accountability of people and being able to tell the truth is the, is the other good part of that is that, you know, you can always expect to hear the truth from, you know, from me. Um, that that just, I mean, it helps you enjoy life. I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm, you know, people say I'm generally happy um, and there, there are moments where I'm equally not, but I, I like being able to talk about that. And so far for us at a business level, it has helped engage, build trust um, and, you know, trust for us is the thing that underpins our capacity to have conflict, like in a really good way, because, you know, I don't employ our fantastic executive team to nod, you know, I want them to, you know, if they disagreed with something I was about to do on some silly social media video, you know, I would want them to bang the desk and say, that is a step too far. (laughs) So far they haven't done it. it. But it's just... You know, I, I I think it is really a reflection of of where at. You know, if you go back to two thousand and eight, post GFC, there's this fake news thing going on. There's leaders who might present really well, and then five years later do something that has people go, you know what? That he or she's not the person I thought they were. And you just want to wake up, I think, and just look in someone's eye and and feel like and know that you're going to get the truth. I think people are looking for leaders who. Um, both say this is who i am but they're, they're now going beyond this and they're saying you know you show me prove prove to me that, that this is who you are and i think being judged by our actions whether it's in a way that it's very hard to be to be a liar <laughs> um is uh is is really really key so it's it's trust and i think there's ways that you can test that kind of stuff and it's it's having the the courage to call it that you might have someone on your team who you really like but if if um if they're not doing if they're not operating inside the values of the business or if they're not being genuine in a way that your business needs them to be, it doesn't matter how much you like them, you got to call it. And and that's another way of gen of, of demonstrating. You know, when my team see that that might happen with me, that look, Steve's going to call him.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think it probably is easier in a family business for your personal values and the company values to be aligned because you think they're yeah. the same. But it, has there been a time when your values have been tested, or and you felt you haven't stayed true to them, or was a bit difficult?
1: Yeah, look, in I sort of I um alerted to it a bit a bit earlier, which is when I had a, a staff member who who I really enjoyed um. And the the business sort of technically really desperately needed um, and the rest of the business could see that they were not being held to account um, around things and that other people were, but this person wasn't and it had flown under my radar and it had happened unconsciously until it really got to a point where it could go no further um, and I had to move them on um, and they, they had to be dismissed. And, gee, I mean, within hours of that happening, I just had the team saying, man, why didn't you do that so... Why didn't you do that a year ago? Like, the damage this person's caused. And um, and it occurred to me that, you know... And, and they're the hard decisions. I mean, that's the thing. I, you know, one of my values is forgiveness. Um, but the other one is accountability and, and part of it is going, well, what's what's really the, the more important thing is to make sure that I'm looking after all the other people in the business and you can forgive to a certain point, but I think there's a responsibility for people that you care for but might not be sticking up to the mark that you owe it to them to call them on it and if it means they've got to go and find another business that they're better aligned with at a values level, um, then do that sooner rather than later and that would be one of the things is turning a blind eye to some behaviour that I shouldn't have
0: yeah but i mean, I think that's one of the hardest mm-hmm. things around authentic leadership and values-based leadership when it when sometimes your values can be in conflict with each other like you just said forgiveness and accountability uh and you got to you got to strike that balance which which it seems yeah. like you did whether whether you whether you felt you took too long or not but anyway it's all part <laughs> of the job <laughs> what um there's a bit of uh there's a bit of a lot of talk around CEO activism at the at the moment. That um, you know and all this research to show that uh, employees are looking for their leaders, their CEOs, to take an active role, and um, even their customers. What's your thoughts on CEO activism? And you, and have you had to take a stand as CEO?
1: yeah um i i think it's something that's got to be you know really deeply considered um so the short answer is we have not in a not in a really overt way um you know we you got this juggle where um you know it's you know it's the ceo's job to execute the strategy and the board creates you know signs off on the strategy for the stakeholders and ultimately we've got to act in the best interests of stakeholders um now, stakeholders is now sort of extending beyond financial stakeholders to environment and society, which is great in a far more meaningful way. It's not just CSR, it's now, you know, globally we expect that. So, um, but you've still got to have shareholders who give permission to the board and the CEO to do the right thing. And at a selfish level, if you execute that well, you know, you can draw, you, you can leverage that. That's an investment. Um, and so I think framing it like that gives you more capacity to take an activist stance around stuff. Our business has had a really strong stance on sustainability. We talk about valuing people and all those kinds of things. And um, it was only six months ago that it was brought to our attention that we were advertising with a, um, with a media business that was very clearly um, looking like they were trying to sway um, uh, public opinion about sustainability in a certain direction. And they pointed that out and we were just happy to advertise and do what we do and we thought you know what I mean it's yes we've got to run a business and and we've got to satisfy shareholders and stakeholders but for us the test of it was do we do anything or do we do not do do we not because we've got the capacity to be punished by this organization if we we do the wrong thing Um, but you know, we've been around for five generations. You know, we have the capacity to think about what are my grandkids going to be doing if they're running this business and what are the decisions I'm making now that help their stakeholders um, then... And, and I think that's important. And, and I can draw down on that. now. I'm talking to you about it right now because we're really proud. We decided to withdraw all advertising from that firm um, until such time as we felt like there was a rebalancing. So there was some... And we didn't just talk about that. And we just said, look, we, we made a call. that if we think there's a real bias out there in any media organisation... We're going, to, yeah, we're going to do our best to place our money in places that um, are supporting society and the environment because that's where we've said that our values um, are going to sit. Um, funnily enough, you know, I had some franchisees and some others who just said, what are you doing? Um you know, you shouldn't be diving into this political debate. And as I said, we didn't do it overtly, um, but we decided we should do it because we thought, you know, we should be measured by the decisions we make when they're really tough. It's kind of easy to make decisions when you're making some money and it's okay and we plant some trees and we can do some stuff like that. But it was an opportunity for us to do the right thing. And we framed it up in a way where we didn't, um, you know, really uh, publicly, you know, poke um, someone, um, but we did it in a way enough that they would know but also that the public would see that. And, I, you know, I want people to buy our cakes knowing that for every dollar you give us, there's a chance it will be more responsibly spent or invested in our business than if you go to a competing bakery or cafe chain. Um, that That's where we can draw down on that value. But importantly, I the board support and the ownership team support uh, because, you know, I'm... I'm Look, next year is important and the next four years is important, but the next 10 to 20 years, sometimes businesses have to take that. I mean, especially now, you'll need to be thinking about the next 50 years when it comes to sustainability. But if you you, know, you think about typical timeframes for PE and, and publicly listed companies, it is shareholders' values, not family values, every day of the week. And um, because we're privately owned and we're a family business, you, that's one of our advantages. Um, and, uh, you know, increasingly... You know, CEOs should be pushing for boards, ideally, or boards seeking permission from, from their institutional shareholders to have permission to do the right thing. Because at some stage, there ain't going to be a healthy planet for them to invest in. Yeah.
0: Is it? Is it the hardest part of your job, making those really tough decisions, or or there, is there another challenge in your job?
1: Oh, look, it's def- the the hardest bit is still people. Um. It's when you're in a business where you talk about having values and care and passion, that's all easy when everyone's doing a great job and we're all high-fiving and that kind of stuff. But when things are tough, um, you know, it's, you know, a couple of my board members have, have made it easier for me to say, look, it's your, if you really care about this person, if they're underperforming and you've given them every chance to step up to the plate and they haven't, you owe it to them. To move them on and give them a lesson in a way that will allow them to redevelop in their next role, in the same way that a parent will say, "Get on with your homework, or you don't, or you you, you don't get to go out for two weeks." Yeah. You don't like it, but you've got to make those calls. And so, they're still the hardest ones for me, and some of them are a lot harder than a slap over the wrist. Um, but for the most part, it, I, you know, I just we, we work really, really hard to make sure that in the first six months and ideally three months of someone's probation, you know, we absolutely know that they are on brand, they are on values. So that the other conversations are, are going to be less frequent. Um, yeah, and and trying to, you know, I brought up you. Uh, my father is one of the best examples of an authentic leader. He's always been honest and he's been open. And, and when I was working in the bakery as a kid, you know, we had a couple of staff members who had cancer, and it, it was um, terminal, and they were out of sick leave. And you know, and and he just said, "Hey, you just take as much time off as you want. We will pay your wage, just." Um, uh, just get better, and uh, and and this person did get better, like a year later, and then he was just the most amazing brand advocate. In fact, his wife still works for our business, and their kids work in our business. Um, and another is his production manager was a smoker, and and he said, look, you know, just look if if you can stop smoking for more than six months, I'll give you fifty grand. And this was in the nineties. Um, it was wow. some ridiculous sum. Anyway, he started smoking after I don't know after. <laughs> after 48 weeks the silly bugger but it it was just it it was that kind of stuff where you just do what you've got to do um if if you can that there are rules and then at some stage you go look it's okay to step outside um and and just try and do what what the right thing is
0: cool now some of the questions i like to ask go get more about you than your business so um what what when you're not at work what do you love doing what do you how do you spend your time when you're not at work? You've got, obviously, two two young kids, which keep you entertained.
1: Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so, I mean, order of priority. Um, I mean, my kids, I mean, I, I, I mean, I've got a great relationship with my parents, but really, you know, when I grew up, my dad was starting work at two and he'd finish at three in the afternoon, he'd have dinner and he'd be in bed by 6.30 and that was six days a week, sometimes seven. And I never saw him. Um, now, luckily, I've, you know, I've still got a great life and I got, to, I got to make up for that because I worked with him for the next 20 years. Um, but I realised that, you know, you don't get those years back. And so, you know, spending time with my kids has been great. And I also know that, I mean, the other thing that I love to do that I did a lot of before um, Corona Okie and Ferguson players. I used to play in a band. I used to write some music, um, which is why I, I like doing this stuff. This is, some people play golf. i like, I'm able to pick up a guitar and, and I like writing music. Um, and I, I ended up loving music because I came home every night and my dad was on the piano and he's a brilliant pianist. And that was his go-to thing. Um, so I've, I grew up learning guitar and, and a little bit of piano and I know that the number one thing that got me to do that was just watching my parents do it and, and I need to do that. So playing some music around my kids is the best way to get them to do it and so they're learning piano, that kind of stuff. Um, integrating them into this Corona Oakey thing has, has been a great way for them to, you know, God, they'll never know the real words to any of those songs, the poor, poor things. And they run around singing to the radio, you know, with silly, check out this one, Dad, you know, pie this. On that vanilla slice, um, they'll be
0: they'll be singing "I want to bake free" for the rest of their lives.
1: Exactly. So look that, and then with you know, I I absolutely the connection between sleep and me being fit and the best version of my leadership is. is absolutely uh, black and white. So I mean, I don't, I don't need a lot of sleep having grown up in a baking family, but I know when I haven't had a lot of sleep um, and exercise four to five days a week, even a little bit, uh, it's just at a mental health level. It, it's kind of everything. I don't, I'm not talking triathlete stuff, just, you know, um, a half an hour run in the morning or more if I can and doing it with my kids now that they can ride a bike. Um, they're, they're my things and then and friends and family um you know genuinely dying to go and visit some of the people that that exist outside of my four walls right now
0: (laughs) if you um if you could change one thing about you what would it be
1: it would be uh being um being less harsh on myself um you know i like to do things well um i i really do and and through this pandemic stuff, you know, sitting down and, you know, it was about a month ago when I was starting to not get as much sleep as I would really like for all the really obvious reasons. And I turned to a couple of the the mental wellness apps. Um, And, you know, it's been a long time since I've meditated or really been into any of that kind of stuff and hadn't been in a big way. But, you know, the whole just recognising that, you know trying to live in the moment and that my my concerns about what have happened and my concerns about what are about to happen are nothing other than my brain trying to deal with either reward or risk and and I I like to unpack that stuff and when I go oh yeah it's just my brain doing what it's been designed to do for the last 100,000 years, how about I just try and, you know, and helps me deal with that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it would be that. But my default position is is to doubt something and I, and I, I don't care about people watching me sing or dance. I've, I've got past that. A long time ago I used to care. <laughs> Obviously don't now. Um, but there are other things that I worry about too much. Yeah.
0: Um, what's your favourite quote? Do you love quotes? I love a good quote. Have you got a oh, quote you love?
1: I... Um, let me think it. Let me come back to you. I I, uh, I will. You wrote it down, and now you've forgotten. <laughs> I've got lots of quotes that I like, um, and uh, I, I think there, and there's plenty I don't like too. Um,
0: yeah. Okay. I'll, you can think about your quote. Um, yeah. What about? So you, you know one of the things I'm a advocate for is reducing jargon. D would you use a lot of jargon in the bake? You know, a small family baking
1: saw nice not yeah, look, um, a little bit but most of its tongue-in-cheek puns and um, uh so i don't know we we go through a stage where we like really use a word, and I remember about a year ago we were talking about noise, you know we, we don't want to do this because it's just too much noise, and I'm talking about sort of mental noise in the business, and after about a year, we're like, "Oh God, we just stop saying noise, let's find another word for that or <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: It's like people you always used to say the optics, the optics won't be good on this
1: yeah so that's exactly like, <laughs> we, we we went <laughs> through the we went through the optics phase, I loved optics, it was such a great word. <laughs> <laughs> Just are you going, are you
0: going that, through the pivot stage? Are you pivoting?
1: Yes, acute, um, agile. I'm pivoting. Oh, agile. I'm being you're agile. <laughs> um, yeah, no, all of that. Actually, I've got my quote that that that, that I really do like, and it's because it, it's it's. And, and I've talked about this earlier on. Is the truth sets you free? You know, yeah. if you if you're an authentic leader, and if you're ever not sure about what to do. Um, You know, the truth sets you free. And there are a couple of, there's a situation about a year ago where um, we had put together a cake catalogue and, uh, a celebration cake catalogue and and the way we do that is customers come to us over the year and they show us a picture of a cake they saw online or somewhere and they say can you make it for us and we do that and we don't know whose cake it originally was and and there were some beautiful cakes and so we, got, we made them and we got them photographed and and just as we printed the catalogue someone said hey look that and those three cakes are from a cake shop that are only two k's down the road that are really popular it's a mar and par operator and now it's looking like invented these designs. And I'm like, wow oh, what was we're going to distribute seven hundred and fifty thousand of them to homes. And like what do I do? And and I'm, I called it my PR guy and what have you and he said, Oh have you thought about just calling them and apologizing? <laughs> um I said, well I have, but is that the right thing to do? Because I would love to do that. <laughs> I mean so I did and I called them and I and, and we owned it and I just said look I'm really sorry and would you like us to put a web, a link to your website on our website or can we say, look, designs, by blah, blah, and the next run we could, um, you know, and we were just praying that they wouldn't say no, put them all in the bin. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And they did. Anyway, it worked out great. And it, it's just, you know, hopefully we do a good enough job of never saying anything so bad that having to apologise publicly would cause a, a really big storm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the truth sets you free. I like
0: that one. I like that one. So I'm going to finish on three quick Quick fire questions. Sure. Um, okay. What's the one meal you love cooking? If in fact you
1: cook. Yes. I know. I'm. I'm the cook at home. Actually, mm. mostly if I get home in time. Um. I really like uh fried kway chow. It's like a nice flat, you know, Malaysian noodle, um, with uh, you know, with veggies. Actually, I've, I've, we've been working on some incredible vegan products. I've been vegan since November, um, so I've been exploring lots of vegan options. But fried kway chow. Yeah. Mm, good.
0: What's your favourite 80s song or artist?
1: Oh, so there's a couple. (laughs) So seeing as I was born in 72, this was like my prime time. Queen, The Cure, um, Hall and Oates. Um, uh,
0: There's a a wide selection there.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, I I thought Queen might have been one of them with a a few Queen songs appearing in Corona Okie. Yeah. Final question, Steve, if you could give one piece of advice to your 20-year-old self, what would it be?
1: Yeah, it would be to just to to have backed myself more often or had less doubt. Um, yeah, a long time ago, I'm happy to say this publicly, I had a lot of anxiety um, and I don't know if it's the pressure of being the fourth generation and knowing what my the three generations had built before that. In fact, I'm sure that probably was that. Um, and, uh, you know, my dad's always been very supportive. So it was through no pressure on his behalf. But I think waking up to the idea that at some stage I might be the leader in the business and far out, what does that mean? Um, and so, yeah, I had some really bad anxiety a long time ago. And it was, you know, interestingly, performing publicly or being a good speaker, I finally worked out that the secret is to not care what people think and at the start you think that's the most important thing is to i really care what people think but I, i i feel like if i'm going to talk about something if i believe in it and if I believe in myself, that's all that matters. And if there was a heckler or someone who raised their eyebrows, I don't care. I mean, I really don't care. And it's the best way to speak publicly, um, you know. And I know how to do that on values and what have you. So yeah, back yourself. But I don't know how you do that because anxiety and those kind of things sort of create themselves without you really consciously knowing. I went and saw a counsellor for a long time. who unpacked all that stuff, and, and and I've got to tell you, you know, through through that process, I've you know, I've I've learned to talk about things when I need to. If I ever feel stressed, I know that I need to talk to my my wife or my best friend or anyone who's a really good listener because it's not about what they tell me to do. It's just the fact that I got it out of my head. So I say that publicly because... Um, You know, I've known people who have suffered from anxiety and depression but they never talked about it. And and when they found out that I had it, um, they they said, oh, I've got it. I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me that five years ago? You know, I thought I was out here on my own. Um, So there's obviously lots of great organisations out there that recognise that now. But, um, yeah, it would be that, you know, and not not feel bad about it. Go and you know, if you've got a cold, you go to the doctor. If you're not feeling good in the head, um, go see a a counsellor.
0: Yeah, it's um, mental health is just becoming so, you know, we accept it a lot more and people talk about it a lot more. And, and I think you're right. It's um, when leaders like yourself talk about their own struggles, it actually makes it okay for a lot of other people that go, I didn't realise that, that, you know, you, you look so all together and so confident and, and you go, yeah, but it was a challenge yeah. to get here. You still got to work through it
1: absolutely yeah yeah
0: and i imagine there would be a lot of um um, you know pressure like you said forth you and your brother you don't want to stuff it up you don't want (laughs) want to be not on your watch
1: oh well and on the first of april far out he and i were we're like wow is it gonna is it all gonna fall over in our generation when this pandemic hit i mean before some of the government support stuff came out it was oof was not good,
0: <laughs> yeah. I anyway. could imagine it would have been a little bit like God, our you know, our ancestors survived you know, what two wars and and a depression, yeah, exactly. Like a goddamn virus is going to take us out, yeah. Steve. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, I look forward to the next Corona Yoki. Where can people see it? I on your Facebook page? Is that where they're? Yeah, Facebook
1: up? page. We normally try and put them on YouTube, but Facebook's the best spot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When we'll put it when we put the podcast out, we'll put a link to uh, your to that. So thank cool. you so much. Keep up the good work, um, and hopefully we will get to meet in person on the other side of uh, the coronavirus.
1: Yeah, let's make sure of it. Awesome. Thanks, Gabrielle.
0: Okay. Thank you. Cheers. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast in the Authentic Leadership Series. Visit the Resource Library on Gabrielle's website to access a collection of free material on business storytelling and thought
1: leadership.